everybody to another edition of Bucky's fifth podcast Jake Kokorowski here happy Thanksgiving Eve everybody it is Wednesday morning and hope everyone's travels are going well again this is going to be uh, this is our second show of the week a lot of content we had Owen Reese Joe Nellis talk about the offense and what they saw against Purdue we published that on Monday gave it a little bit of a breather but we got some really good stuff coming up today and that's the reason why we want to do two podcasts because one was talking about the offense in general kind of more of a topical discussion and this one really we want to break down Minnesota and to do that we have some great guests coming up you're going to hear from Ben Strickland I talked with him on Tuesday and then we're going to preview the game actually with Jason Galloway from the Wisconsin State Journal and that was live from Beer Rock 2911 North Sherman Avenue in Madison that was last night every Tuesday at 7 p.m. so a lot of great info to get to, and you'll love what Ben has to say about the play. Obviously, former team captain, former walk-on, and now uh, back in the Madison area. But, of course, that legendary 2005 touchdown off the Jonathan Casillas punt block. So, we're going to get to that right away, and then you'll hear Jason Galloway and I preview Wisconsin-Minnesota. And then you'll hear at the end, Alec Ingold, uh, the fullback, senior. Can't believe it's already been four years. I remember watching him in fall camp and being an inside linebacker and then transitioning to running back and then to fullback. So it's already been four years for Ingold. We'll talk with him about what he sees from Minnesota, his time at Wisconsin, and more. But without further ado, here's Ben Strickland talking with me earlier this week on Bucky's Fifth Podcast. We are joined. This is our second podcast of the week. We talked to one walk-on, actually, a couple days, was it yesterday? Uh, we're recording on a Tuesday. But we talked to Joel Nellis, former Wisconsin tight end, my co-author for Walk On This Way. And we got a chance to actually, in the book, talk to who we have on today, uh, himself a former walk-on, turned team ca- captain, and... Of course, his touchdown in the 2005 Wisconsin-Minnesota game up in the Metrodome is one of legend now, and we're joined by Ben Strickland. Ben, how many times do you relive that moment during Axe Week? Um, I mean, I just it, it's a neat experience to, to go back and remember. Um, I'll probably use it more during Axe Week when my kids can understand, so I'll you know, I provide some kind of legitimacy to my life, to my kids, and try to get them to listen to me, but probably that's about it. I was going to say, the what's the, I mean, what was the mood of that game? And obviously you guys came back, you know, it was 34-24, the touchdown makes it 34-31, and then, I mean, just what was that mood of that game where you're taking on some uh, Lawrence Maroney and, and, and just a really good Minnesota squad, and and you know it's another rivalry game where you guys had captured it the year before and uh in in trying to just get through the game and, and, and try to retain that axe yeah i mean i think you know every year you go into this game 
Um, and I remember Coach Alvarez always saying it, you know, throughout the records, and and that was true. Um, you know, they were a group that, you know, under Glenn Mason, they were always really, really super competitive, uh, you know, zone run, uh, run team. Um, they had a lot of really good players, you know, Maroney being one of them. And I remember during that game, we just, on defense, you know, we're struggling to stop them. Um, you know, they, they had the run game going. They were controlling the tempo of the game uh, until the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, so we were down, I think, 10, 10 was it? And, yep. uh, you know, ended up, um, you know, getting the ball back. Um, I can't remember. It probably was a kick return because they were, you know, doing kind of having their way with us uh, defensively. Um, and so, you know, they kick off to us and we got the ball. And I remember, you know, Stocko and, and Brandon Williams hooking up uh, for the score. But, you know, our, our offense got in a rhythm in a two-minute mode. And uh, we scored. And, and then I remember, you know, there was talks about, you know, what we were going to do as far as the kickoff goes. Do we onside? Do we, um, you know, do we just try to kick it down because we hadn't been stopping them? So, um, you know, coach made the decision to, to kick it downfield and, you know, try to try to, you know, pin them back there, um, you know, get a stop on D and then get our offensive ball back and, and let them go down and score. So, um we ended up uh, kicking down, and then I think, you know, we we got like our first three and out of the game um, and needed it and called the timeouts and all that kind of stuff to to manage the game that way. And um, and then I remember we had been working on this all week, and it was a like a three-man twist <clears throat> between myself, Zach Hampton, and uh, John Casillas, where me and Zach would go up the field and under, and then Casillas was supposed to kind of wrap around um and so i think me and zach were ultimately the decoys for casillas to be able to go block the <laughs> kick because he was a more athletic guy than us um but yeah it just kind of worked out where you know we penetrate our gaps got some push there and um you know obviously to our our uh benefit the punter fumbled it and uh thought that he could get it off and, and john did a great job of, of getting in front of it and i just remember when the ball got hit you know, I, I remember, you know, thinking I was going to get it initially and then John blocked it. And then so tried to look for it. So I was on the ground, me and John went to go scramble for it. And, uh, it seemed like it just was rolling forever. And, um, so I just decided, you know, I saw the ball and, you know, need, knew we needed to get the ball back. And a lot of people talk about like, uh, you know, having the awareness of keeping the ball in balance. And honestly, I remember it kind of being close, but I, you know, until watching the film, I didn't realize how close it was but knew just we had to get on the ball and, uh, you know, the sooner the better and, um, you know, and ended up rolling in the end zone and we scored. And I remember just covering up the ball and, you know, people kind of piling on top and I knew I had the ball and nobody was, you know, um, nobody, you know, really was knew where the ball was. I think they just kind of were piling on and I just scored it out of the pile and started running. And, um, you know, I just remember just kind of it being like a surreal moment, um, and then, you know, we, we, so we score, kick a field goal, we're up four, and then we go to kick off. And I remember going down, running, you know, running down the kickoff. And I think it was DeAndre Levy. I might have hit him low and DeAndre hit him high. I can't, I can't really remember exactly, but um, I remember, uh, you know, then looking up and the ball was popped out and maybe DeAndre recover, recovered or something, but somebody else hit it out. Um, and looked up and we had recovered it and the game was over and just kind of, it flipped so fast, um, that it just was kind of this <laughs> surreal moment. You felt like you were in a dream. 
and uh, it was just, it was such a, a cool game to be a part of, and um, you know just all the everything that went into the comeback from the drive with Stocko and, and Williams hooking up to us finally stopping them on you know and, and getting a three and out when we absolutely needed to, and you know and then with the the fumble kick, you know blocking it. John, John blocking it and jumping on it. And then, you know, then the fumble on the ensuing kickoff, just, I mean, it turned so fast and, uh, you know, it was just a, a lot of fun to be a part of. Yeah. And when it comes to just the way, I, I guess I'm wondering just when you see the punter, you know, it was Justin Kusick fumbling that ball, he drops the the snap. What, does anything change in your head where you try to speed up more? Or did you see it? Like what, what goes into it when you see a punter make a mistake like that uh, in a special teams moment like that, where it could drastically change the game? Like does, does your emotions or senses heighten where you, you try to get to the ball a little bit quicker or what did you see in that play? Well, I mean, I remember like me and Zach both trying to like, you know, just, just push the, push the pocket and actually the guy's, that were playing, you know, the guard and tackle spot for him um, in the punt formation did a pretty good job of holding us up. And, uh, you know, just remember just trying to get as much penetration as we could. And then, you know, he drops it and you see him start to roll out and, you know, I'm too short. So of course I wasn't <laughs> going to get it, but I thought <laughs> I could. And, uh, and then just, you just saw like, you know, it's kind of like this, you know, uh, I don't know if like the heightened awareness, but more of a, just like all of a sudden this kind of holy cow sense of urgency, you know, go make a play type feeling. And uh, obviously John did that and, uh, you know, did a great job of getting his hands in the flight lane of the, of the kick and, and the rest is history. Now, if I'm not, I, I, have to, I haven't had a chance to look back on this, but I remember tweeting to Jonathan Casillas about it. And he said, you maybe nudged him a little bit too much out of the way on that <laughs> touchdown. I don't know if you would care to comment on that. Uh, I don't know what video evidence is inconclusive in my, my opinion, but what goes into the mad scramble? I know you mentioned a little bit about everyone's piling on you, but what's, what's your mentality when you're trying to drop on that ball? Well, I think honestly, it was just seeing the loose ball and getting on it. And uh, then you look back at the film and it definitely, <laughs> I mean, I definitely like, I see the ball. And John kind of starts to get in my face. And I think I didn't even know who it was. And so I just kind of nudged and fell on the ball. <laughs> um, but looking back on it, I think in the moment, I was really thinking this is a team game. John got the block. Somebody else should recover it. Uh, so, you know, not one person takes all the glory. Uh when it comes to what was the elation on the sideline and you guys celebrating, I mean, that's one thing I've, I've talked to kind of Joel Nellis about and, uh, and, and others just on that sideline, what goes through, uh, what was the, the pandemonium like when such a big play happens and so, so late of the game against such a rival like Minnesota? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, obviously people were celebrating and excited and, um, it was a little, you know, because of the timing of the game. I mean, the game was nearly over. And so actually I remember like the next day there was on the cover of the sports page, um, there was a picture and, um, and you can even see it on some of the video. There's like a, a, a jubilation, but then there's also like, Hey, we got to kick the extra point and the game's not over. And there was some individuals on our team that I remember like just obviously didn't have that awareness and, we're celebrating that weren't even, they weren't on the punt return unit. They weren't on the field goal <laughs> unit, but they were out on the field, like 
one guy with his helmet off, just like, you know, and, and, and so it was like, uh, I mean, it was, it was funny, like looking back on it because yeah, there was, I know two guys in particular that were on, weren't on either one of the units, whether punt return or uh field goal. And they were out on the field because they, and you know, you go and ask them. And when we went back and asked them that week, they said they thought the game was over. Um, you know, and then like on the TV copy, you see Barry trying to get guys back. Cause obviously that's just the coaching thing, right? You know, right. We, all right. We scored great. Like we got to kick the extra point that puts us up by four and, and, you know, hopefully seals the game a little bit more. Um, and, you know, and we put, there's still 20 some seconds, 30 some seconds on the clock. So it was, uh, you know, guys that had uh, been there before, um, you know, it was, it was a, a celebration and excitement, but still like, you know, let's finish this game. And the guys that maybe were a little bit younger, let the excitement get to the best of them. <laughs> and we're out <laughs> on the field without beat on the field. Fortunately, we didn't get a penalty. So even if we did, we would have, uh, you know, Taylor would have made the extra point, no problem. So, yeah, I was gonna say, just uh, we're here with Ben Strickland, former Wisconsin defensive back, special teams guru, former Wisconsin assistant coach, Florida Atlantic assistant coach, and, and now currently uh, doing some work at Edgewood High School uh, here on Bucky's Fifth Podcast. And Ben, I, I guess for the players, I mean, it's one thing for the fans and maybe being an alum knowing the rivalry against Minnesota, how much does it mean to the players? I mean, I was there today for player availability. You see the acts, you know, right after practice, players are touching it as they head back into the locker room. But what does it mean to the players with this rivalry? And maybe it's changed with having, I don't know if it's changed with the 15, you know, 14 and almost 15 years of, of dominance over the Minnesota Golden Gophers. But, you know, what does it mean to have that, you know, to retain that axe and, and to hold on to it? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a symbol of the rivalry and uh, the t- tradition that goes along with it. Um, and, you know, you, you feel like you're in playing in this game. Um, you know, it's an added feeling of you're playing for something bigger than yourself. Um, and I think that's the that's the cool thing of, of this rivalry is, you know, you understand the history of you start to understand the history of the game, the people that have played in it. Uh, the types of games that have taken place and uh, just feel fortunate to, to be able to play or coach in it. Um, and, and even though it's been a, you know, we've been able to take home the ax, um, you know, pretty consistently over the last, you know, 15 years or whatever, uh, it doesn't mean that every year that doesn't, you know, that sense of urgency changes you know, it actually kind of becomes even more like, you know, we got to keep this thing. We don't want to be the group to let it go. Um, and so I think that, you know, every year it's, you know, it's, it's a new year and that's, that's the fun part about it. None, none of the 15 years or whatever it's been matter. Um, the record of the all time series doesn't matter because it's about that game and that moment that, um, you know, you feel special to be a part of and you want to take advantage of. And Ben, you know, we, we talk about your time as a player, but, uh, you know, you've, you've done coaching both in college at Wisconsin at Florida Atlantic and, and also now you're working with high school. How's been, uh, you know, what's been the transition in terms of uh, that you've had to make just overall from being a, uh, you know, a college coach to, to high school Has, how does the, the coaching and the kind of just teaching players different with such obviously varying degrees of, of skill sets and whatnot and, and, and teaching them at a, at a younger level. How's, how have you adapted on that? Uh, I mean, I think you look like 
for me, they're, the constants are what matter and the constants are the game. Um, you might have to adapt the level of detail or the, um, um, you know, kind of the, you know, the intricacies a little bit based on the level that you're coaching at because of the time that you're allotted. Um, but the game, you know, essentially is the same. You're trying to do the same thing by, as a coach, maximizing your player's ability, getting them to understand, you know, what they need to do um, to win their one-on-one matchups in the game overall. And um, that strategy um, from an X and O standpoint, as well as, you know, understanding your players and understanding, um, you know, the things that you got to be able to um, kind of protect, whether it be personal players or a weakness in a defense or, um, you know, whatever the case may be. So all that kind of strategy and that planning is, is as a coach, the fun part. Um, but ultimately it comes down to, you know, the constants of the game being the game and, um, you know, the relationship you have with the players being paramount. Um, and I think that's the thing that I realized, you know, not necessarily the level of play that you're coaching, you know, whether it be youth or high school or college, I think if you got the mindset of building into other people's lives, um, by, and using the game as a platform to do that and to develop those types of lifelong relationships, um, that's what truly matters. At least to me, it does. Um, you know, I never got into coaching for, uh, a paycheck or got into coaching for the prestige of a position or level. Um, you know, and that stuff obviously, you know, is nice at times and cool. Um, but that stuff fades away. And so, you know, what really you hold on to is the things that last and that's the relationships and the, you know, the ability to be involved in this game, you know, whether it's playing or coaching. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking at the, by the way, and and you're coaching at Edgewood high school, which is here in town. If people don't know for in Madison, it's literally just on Monroe street uh, here in Madison and, you know, right, right in the center of the city. I'm, I'm looking at the, you guys got some former Badgers on that coaching staff, don't you? Uh, it's yourself. Yeah, I'm seeing uh, Billy Hirschfeld, obviously former defensive lineman. Uh, Serge Trezzi uh, is mm-hmm. the running back special teams co- coach, according, according to the website, and Jake Maxwell too. Uh, yep. you know, I was going to say, like, uh, one, how did you find the opportunity to, to coach at the high school level, and, and how's it feel coaching with a bunch of Badgers? Yeah. Um, well, the opportunity came, I knew that I wanted to coach. Uh, I took 2017 away from coaching to spend more time with family and, and, and honestly to see if it's something that, you know, wanted and, and, and in my life, um, with the time commitment that it does take and, uh, you know, talked to my wife and came to the conclusion that, yeah, I do want to coach. And, um, so looked at the opportunity to be able to do that around Madison at the high school level and, um, you know, felt like there was a lot, I mean, there's a lot of really good programs, a lot of good coaches in this area. And so for me, it was finding a place that I felt like there was a need. Um, and so Edgewood was a place that, um, you know, Al Minner had been there for a while and, and he was stepping down. And so there was a new face that was coming in. And, um, it was a guy, Jesse Norris, who, um, wasn't from Wisconsin, but basically made, moved to Madison for the same reasons I did. Um, our, both our wives told us that's what we were doing. (laughs) Um, but, but also, you know, I mean, made decisions based on family. Um, and so, you know, I obviously appreciated that. And so we start, you know, I I knew that he, 
was an offensive guy and so you know might be looking for a defensive guy so I I called him up we met uh talked um felt like he had a tremendous vision for where he wanted to take it he had a great approach and how he treats kids and people and um so wanted to 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 be involved um at Edgewood you know because of coach Norris and and what he's trying to do there and feeling like I could um you know be impactful um so that's how I, you know, chose Edgewood and, and, you know, involved that way. As far as the other Badgers that are on staff, um, you know, they were guys that I knew, um, you know, all guys that I was um, part of one way or the other recruiting. Um, so I knew, you know, I knew the, the kids personally. I knew their, um, you know, their families, their stories, and, um, you know, kind of the reason why they had to stop playing at UW. Obviously, Serge graduated, but the other two more from a medical standpoint. So I knew that they still, in conversations with them, had a passion for the game and, and were interested in coaching. And um, so as we, we talked to them, myself and Coach Norris, it was, you know, finding finding to see if they were a fit to, to, to coach there and if they wanted an opportunity to start their coaching careers and see what that looked like. Um, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was, you know, guys that you know, I hope that I was able to kind of mentor a little bit through this year. Um, but, uh, you know, a group of three guys that in their own way impact kids in a, in a very powerful way. And so I was trying to, you know, mentor them and, and you know, kind of through my own experiences and, and struggles and downfalls of um, talk about how, you know, as they start their coaching journey, you know, how to continue to make sense of their own stories so that they can, they can be of uh, tremendous influence to those that they get get the chance to coach. So it was a lot of fun this year. Of course, we would have wanted to win more games, but um, felt like we had a, a group of kids that, you know, uh, really, you know, were committed and uh, the direction, the program, the where, where it's going and all that is in the community that we're involved with. It's, uh, it's good to be a part of. And I think that those guys were able to see that and, um, you know, not sure what that's going to look like next year or, those guys are going to pursue college opportunities, but uh, was glad to have them this year and uh, be able to, you know, spend a season together as they started their coaching careers. Ben, it's been great talking with you. And I, I know I said 10 to 15 minutes. I think I've taken you for 25 to 30. So I apologize for that, man, but I appreciate, okay. I appreciate you taking some time out and uh, you know, continued luck and, and we'd love to talk with you down the road. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Guys, it's Ben Strickland, uh, of course, uh, Wisconsin legend uh, with the 2005 block touchdown. And then obviously, Wisconsin, you know, college football assistant, high school football ass assistant coach right now. And uh, great having him on the show. We're going to be back in just a second. We're going to play our preview of Minnesota. Uh, what we think will happen against the Gophers with Jason Galloway of the Wisconsin State Journal live from Beer Rock uh, on Tuesday night. So, guys, just stay tuned uh, here on Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Jay Kokorowski, we got Jason Galloway from the Wisconsin State Journal. We're heading into it is Axe Week, folks, and it is the Wisconsin's going for the 15th straight victory in this series. They lead the all-time series for that matter. Uh, it was a 60, 59, and 8. And this is going to be the 128th meeting between the two. Dates back to 1890. I could list off those stats. It seems like verbatim off the top of my head. Uh, I could have done that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, but Jason, it, you know, first off, it's great having you on the show. But 
you know, you've covered this now for, you know, a few years. Like, what do you make of this rivalry where, I mean, you've seen them just win the entire time. And maybe, like, since I'm from Wisconsin, and I, I did go to University of Wisconsin-Madison, you know, I've seen them lose previously. But what, for the years that you've been here, what, what stands out from the rivalry in your time covering the team? Well, it, it is kind of a strange one because... You know, I have not gone into a Wisconsin-Minnesota game where I really felt like Wisconsin had a, a real chance of losing. I, mean, I think there might have been one year where Minnesota was having a good year, and you thought, well, maybe, but but probably not. And so, I, I you know, I, it, I think it would be, you know, pretty interesting if, if Minnesota were able to break the streak. And then at that point, I think a lot more of the, the bad blood between fans would kind of flow, and there would be a lot more trash talk. But, but what stood out to me, I think, is that, it really, like, it really matters to the players, regardless of how many yep. times they've beat Minnesota or um, or how much they've had the axe. I, I think it always they always go into this week um, really focused on keeping it. And of course, they're going to say that, but I think that they always make sure they bring in all kinds of speakers uh, this week to to make sure these you know everybody knows how important the game is to the program. And there's sort of reminders that you know outside the locker room, it's that you know keep the axe this week, and they just have little things like that they, they always make it a special week even if it's you know a situation where they haven't lost this game since what is it 2003 so you know i, I think that kind of stands out it's i, I think it's really I, I think from a fan fan to fan perspective maybe there's not as much trash talking as you would hope for in a rivalry because it just i don't know if minnesota fans can really talk right now but uh but i think it i think the players on both sides really really care about it and it's uh it's it's a really huge rivalry for for both programs involved yeah and, you know, you're looking at this, I, I guess, you know, looking at the game, it's at Camp Randall Stadium, obviously, 2.30 Central Time, ESPN2 will have it on there. Uh, I'm just trying to think, I mean, with the Axe, too, we saw that after practice, the Axe was out there on display with a student manager. They're holding on to it. They are really just, you know, obviously, all players and coaches are touching it on the way back to the locker room. Uh, I guess just, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at some of these stat, stats here from Minnesota, and you really, and I don't know what really, you know, stands out for this team. They, they are, they need, they're saying five wins. They need to get bowl eligible in this game. So that makes it a little bit, if you're looking for a team like Minnesota, the, I mean, there's a little bit more edge to them it's to try to get to that bowl game. Underneath the second year, P.J. Black, obviously not maybe necessarily going where wants to go or accelerating as fast as they want to go in, in Black's second season. But who stands out to you? Let's look at the offensive side. Now, they're without Rodney Smith for most of the year with, with his injury. And, but, you know, the wide receiver that they have there, Tyler Johnson, stands out to me. But you also have a guy like Mohamed Ibrahim who's, you know, almost averaging five and a half, six yards a carry, too, uh, rushing the ball. But what are you seeing from, from Minnesota, or what have, what have you noticed? Yeah, you know, I, I think Tyler Johnson, like you said, is, is sort of the one guy that sort of stands out when you look at what they've done this year offensively. And, um, you know, there was a lot made about Rondell Moore last last week, and, and I'm not sure if it's still the case, but Tyler Johnson was the guy that's, that was leading the Big Ten in receiving yards. Um, yeah. You know, heading into last week, at least. I haven't looked at the, the updated after, after this past week, but um, he's a guy that now it's a little bit different than playing, um, you know, trying to contain Rondell Moore with Purdue in, in the sense that, you know, Purdue's got a lot more other weapons. Um, you can't really uh, focus all your attention on Moore either. And I right. think, that, think that Purdue is in a, you know, in a position where they could test Wisconsin, Wisconsin secondary more than probably Minnesota can. Um, so there, there is that. But it, this Minnesota team is so interesting because they, 
I mean, they, they've had times this year where they've, they've looked so bad, and then they, they you know had the game like they did against Purdue a couple weeks ago where they put right. up 41 points and, and, and win that game 41 to 10. So um, that's that, that's really interesting to me, and you know I think it's going to be. Um, Interesting to see kind of how how this game plays out because it's 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 a Minnesota team that's sort of Jekyll and Hyde at, at some at some points this season and um, you know I think that with the new defensive coordinator it kind of adds a little wrinkle too. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you look at the I mean they're averaging about 160 yards per game on the ground, about 223, 224ish through the air. Third down conversions, they're about I mean they're 80th in the nation. The offensive stats don't look great. They're lower half of the FBS there. But, you know, and they also have the quarterback situation where, you know, now they're mostly it's Tanner Morgan from what it looks like, just under 50, you know, 60% passing and seven touchdowns. I mean, they've thrown between him and Zach Axtad 14 interceptions. And so, I mean, that's one of my takeaways to the game with, obviously, it's not David Blau like we saw with Purdue who was just throwing it around 386 yards for, for the senior who obviously... I think he'll find he'll be in an NFL camp just based off of what he's done this year. But I don't see that out of Tanner Morgan or Zach Axted. So uh, I mean, I guess what I'm I think Wisconsin can contain it, the defense, like you mentioned. But I'm, defensively, I'm I'm intrigued by obviously Blake Cashman. I think's the big guy. Hundred leads the team in tackles with 101. 15 of those are for loss, and he also has two and a half sacks and five pass breakups. So I think I mean that's that's pretty impressive for him, and, and just he's he's won some defensive player of the week awards as well. So I think I mean that's going to be someone that really Wisconsin will have to like obviously take account for. Yeah, and I, th- I think just a note on on the quarterbacks, like you mentioned earlier. I mean Tanner Morgan, they won two of his four starts since he kind of took over as a starter, and yeah, you have to kind of take that into account. I, I think he hasn't played all that poorly. Now he does have you know more interceptions than you would like, and like you said, I mean with a freshman quarterback here. You, you kind of got to expect those things, and, and I think if you're Wisconsin, you want to try to take advantage of that. I mean, Wisconsin sitting, still sitting at only ten inter- interceptions on the season. Um, it's something that they've been a little inconsistent at as far as creating those turnovers with with interceptions. So that that could be a big thing if they win the turnover battle. But um, but I, I think Morgan's played played okay since he took over as a starter, and if he eliminates mistakes, I think that gives Minnesota a lot better chance to, to kind of move the ball. Uh, defensively, like you said, yeah, Cashman has been has been great for them. Uh, obviously, they, they switched defensive coordinators a couple weeks ago, and um, they, they put together their um, their two best performances from a point total perspective in, in Big Ten play the last two weeks, uh, with 10 points against Purdue and then 24 against Northwestern. I mean, surprisingly, 24 right. is their second best you know, points allowed <laughs> in, in the Big Ten this year. So, obviously, they were having some defici- uh, defensive issues you know, before, uh, before they switched there. And so I think they're still you – know, the players have said – talking to some of Wisconsin's players this week, they said they don't really feel like that there's a whole lot of difference schematically. Yeah. Um, they feel like that um, you know, their defense is playing with a lot of energy uh, and maybe playing some of his best football of the season. So uh, that's, that's interesting, too, because we, we look at this Wisconsin offense, and uh, I know they <laughs> briefly turned into a juggernaut last week. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but mostly it's been, it's been uh, very, uh, very inconsistent this year offensively. And I, I think regardless of which quarterback plays, whether it's Hornibrook or Cohn, um, I, I think you want to be able to try to establish the run early on and and try to make sure that, that you can you can run the ball consistently because this isn't um, 
again, I, I think like we talked about earlier, you kind of look at this Minnesota team and you think, well, Wisconsin will just win, win again. You right, know? right. But right. this Wisconsin, I think this, per, you know, the Purdue win kind of throws you off the scent that this Wisconsin team hasn't been very good this season. Um, yeah. Even though they're better than Minnesota, they can't just waltz in here and and win this game. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this defense too. Again, not great stats. They give up about 171 yards on the ground, which is 73rd in the nation. Uh, give up, you mentioned 24 points, you know, against what, North, was it Northwestern? Northwestern, yeah. They give up average about 29 a game they give up. And the one stat that we had pointed out on Bucky's fifth quarter, thir- and obviously the game notes also stated it too, 13 out of the 14 straight wins, Wisconsin scored at least 31 points or more. And that includes the last three years straight. Oh, I didn't know that. And so when you have that, uh, you know, the one, by the way, the one game they didn't was a 20-7 to win in Gary Anderson's first year in 2013. Uh, but that was a defensive struggle. I looked at the stats. That was uh, not a great game to, to maybe necessarily watch. Uh, defensively, for the, for the defensive guys, they must have loved it. But uh, anyways, the really with I think, you know, also Joe Rudolph called, uh, you know, called out, he said 45 on the Minnesota defense was playing really well. That's Carter Coughlin, another linebacker. Maybe necessarily not great on stats with 40, but he's got 14 of those as losses. And then he also has nine sacks and three forced fumbles. So I think that's big right there. If they can, Wisconsin can contain those Minnesota linebackers, it could be a field day. And it's easier said than done, obviously. And what the, the, you know, the inconsistencies that you've seen on offense. And, you know, we talked about Wisconsin looking like a juggernaut. They were still only 3 of 12 on third downs last week. And that's been kind of the Achilles heel with this offense where you need to get rolling, uh, where you need to see them get rolling offensively. And, and on the, you're not going to have that 80-yard touchdown all the time. Uh, for Wisconsin. Even though Jonathan Taylor has that ability, it's not going to come. So they need to string together those drives outside of what happened in the, in the fourth quarter. And they've been more consistent that way. But uh, if they can, my key is like, if they can key in and, and contain what Cashman and Coughlin can do, they, it can go a long way. Yeah, I think when you have a guy like Coughlin who's a, who's a really good pass rusher with, with nine sacks on the year, um, I think you got to make sure you, you know, he, he doesn't kind of get into a flow. I mean, I think that um, from Wisconsin's perspective, I think this has kind of been a struggle for a lot of the years. Um, you want to make sure you get in those third manageable situations. And um, you, know, you need to make sure you get the running in going to pick up those yards on first and second down so you're not in third and long and those pass rushers can kind of tee off on you. It makes it a lot more difficult on the offensive line. And we saw that against Penn State probably more than any other game this year. Is, um, you know, they, they got in a lot of those situations where, I mean, I mean Jonathan Taylor had a great game there, but... You know, I think when you they got in a lot of those third long situations, and and it was uh, it, it was it was a difficult difficult go for Wisconsin's offensive line to protect Jack Cohen, and so I think that's going to be you know pretty big because they're not going to be able to, to to win this game all on Jonathan Taylor's shoulders, uh, or maybe they can, but you know, right. probably, but you know, I mean, you want to you want to be able to, uh, and it's and it's about giving Cone if Cohen is the starter of this game, you know, it's about giving him the help he needs. You know, that's kind of what the difference was in that Purdue game versus the Penn State game is. You know, they protected him much, much better in that game. You know, Danny Davis made those two big-time catches where Cone put it in the right spot, but you need you need somebody to come down with a with a spectacular catch there as well uh, to make that play happen. And so I think, you know, kind of being able to protect him is going to be a big thing because he's he's not going to be successful if, if he's if he doesn't have time to throw the ball. Right. I think that was key where you saw the spark from Cone, just a big 34-yard completion to AJ Taylor in that first quarter. Placed it, like I said, perfectly there. I think you saw a little bit more of a comfortable Jack Cohen last week. And 
depending on if he plays. I mean, that's, that's still big. I mean, the injury report came out on, on Monday. Alex Hornibrook still questionable with a head injury. David Edwards, who Joe Rudolph said didn't get, sounds like any, any work or much work at all with a, that left arm injury. And then Taiwan Deal, who, I mean, it looked like Alex Hornibrook and Taiwan Deal were both kind of in pads and, and appeared to be, do some work. And I know Joe Rudolph said that he did a, li, you know, did a little bit. I think where he's almost his exact words. And it's all he said was just a little, he did a little right. bit. Right. Yeah. yeah. And nothing more, nothing less. <laughs> just, oh, yeah, he did a little bit. And that was exactly, and we all kind of stared at him like, okay. Uh, so, but yeah, Taiwan Deal, no one asked really about that, but he, it looked like he was in pads too. So we'll see if the redshirt senior can go. I think he's been a great revelation out of this group uh, of running backs this year. Uh, obviously, John the Taylor's the big name, but Taiwan Deal's been a great compliment to him in that run game for Wisconsin. Yeah, and, I think Deal's been one of the more underrated players in the team this year. I think he's been really good. Absolutely. And so just kind of, we've kind of like gone back and forth on tangents and, and whatnot or, or going through key. What are your keys to this game then for, for Wisconsin? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think one of the biggest things is, is, is kind of getting the running game going. It's kind of, you could always say that with Wisconsin, but I think uh, particularly in, you know, in this game, you, you want to be able to at home uh, with a team uh, coming in here with a lot at stake, you know, trying to become bowl eligible and steal the axe back for the first time in 15 years. Um, you kind of want to take them out of their game a little bit by, by um, keeping their offense off the field, uh, making sure you control the game early on. Don't, uh, don't let them get off to a fast start. I think that's, that's kind of one of the big things here. Is don't give them any reason to, to have hope and to, to have optimism. And so I think um, if they can establish the run game early and kind of, you know, uh, you know to have a couple long scoring drives early on, I think that's, that's kind of one of the one of the things that can really kind of, you know, silence Minnesota's hope from, from, from the get-go. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, the run game, I think, I think having Cone just have a, one of my keys, maybe offensively, is just having Cone, like you said, like a hint of balance. With, you have a Heisman Keller wreck, and you rush for 391 yards or however much, or, you know, nearly 400 yards like they did. You, you don't need necessarily to, to balance with 400 extra yards, but if you get like 150 for Wisconsin's offense, 150 to 200 you know, or 225, I think that goes a long way. And, you know, that, like I said, opens it up there. Um, defensively, keys in, in your opinion. Like, I mean, I think the one thing is just locking up Ty Johnson. I think maybe Tyler Johnson. I think that's a little bit, maybe it's too easy to say, but I don't really see another weapon on off. I mean, I think Ibrahim on, on running game could be something. But I think, and obviously not to discard Minnesota at all, because rivalry games, things go out the door. And records don't matter. These guys are going to fight each other and want to get that, that X back. But what do you see that Wisconsin defense, what do they need to do to stop Minnesota's offense? Well, if records didn't matter, I don't think Wisconsin would have a 14-game winning streak. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. That's fair. True. Touche, um, sir. Touche. Um, no, I, I think that Wisconsin needs to avoid giving up the big play. Um, you know, obviously, they gave up a lot of big plays against Purdue. And that was, I wouldn't say expected, but Purdue is a team that can more so than Minnesota, make those happen. But I think as long as you make Minnesota just earn everything they get, you know, don't don't make a mental mistake that allows Minnesota to break off a big big run or a big passing play. Because that, like we mentioned with the freshman quarterbacks, um, you know, it, the longer you make them go on a drive, the better chance they have of making a mistake. And you know, you, I, I think you you maybe play a bend don't break kind of mentality. Don't give up the big play. Allow Minnesota to be the one to to kind of make the mistake and. Um, I think if you do that, you're going to be able to kind of contain this offense and not really allow them to put up too many points. 
Look at that game predictions now, Jason. We're with Jason Galloway, the Wisconsin State Journal here at Beer Rock. What? Who retains, or does Wisconsin retain the axe for the 15th straight season? Does Minnesota upset them? But and what's your score prediction? I think Wisconsin will win. Now, like I said earlier, I don't think they can just waltz in here and, you know, play a bad game and necessarily run over with Minnesota like some other seasons. But, you know, score prediction is tough. You know, I I think I'm going to go 24 to 13 Wisconsin. Um, I think it's that could change by the end of the week. But but I'm definitely picking Wisconsin to win. I think they'll I think Minnesota will hang in there. Um, I don't think Wisconsin's going to necessarily be able to really pull away on the scoreboard. But I think in the end, it'll be a relatively comfortable win. Yeah, I'm going to go... I, I'll go... They're not going to score 31. I think I'll go I'll go 30-17 to 17 Wisconsin. I think just... They'll be close to that 30-point mark. I'm just... With the way the rivalry is, I think this team and what they found in offense, I mean, it's going to be tough. I, I think Minnesota hangs in there for a while, obviously, but uh, it's not going to be that 31 nothing romp that it was last year where you just knew the defense was not going to let that Minnesota offense do anything. So uh, I think... And Hornibrook played well yeah, in game last year. No I remember if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think that's a big key, too. I mean, if Hornibrook goes... It, yeah, that changes a lot, I think. It does change a lot. But I also feel like Cone's gotten a lot more comfortable. Is, yeah, is I that, think so, too. Is that, is, that rough, is that weird to say? I think that he's just gotten yeah. a lot more comfortable. And I think that game against Purdue, I mean... You know, getting in that rhythm and whatnot, it really helped him. I think it's natural to have a lot more confidence yeah. in him after the Purdue game than the Penn State game. I mean, after that Penn State game, you kind of think, man, this guy <laughs> looks like he's kind of in over his head, even though, like we mentioned, he didn't get a whole lot of help from the rest of the offense. But I think to be able to go on the road against Purdue and, and make really some big throws, um, really from, I mean, made some a couple of big throws early, but down the stretch, completing his last seven passes. It's kind of a character performance for him to kind of come through and in the end there, and so I think that that gives you a little more confidence. And this is just, if he does play, it'll be his first home start, yeah. so that, that maybe that'll help him to be at home too. Right, and that'll also burn his redshirt, which is going to be yeah the interesting talk. And we'll you know we talked about it a little bit on the first, uh, last earlier this week in our podcast, just about expectations for next year. If Horny Bro- you know Hornybrook, you got Cone, you got Vandenboom, uh, even Chase Wolf. But then there's also Graham Mertz. Chase Wolf. Chase Wolf. Yeah, Chase Wolf. Yeah, sorry. With the emphasis on the... On the yeah, anyways. Uh, before we get going, Jason, we always great, it's always great having you on. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, at Jason underscore Galloway. And you got the Red Zone podcast. You have your film room breakdowns. You have you know all you have just something up about John Dietz, if I'm not mistaken, too. Correct? Did I see that? Yes, I just posted that uh, a couple hours or just a few minutes ago, really, before I came here. And, yeah, it's... Uh, Obviously, he's a guy that's played through injury this entire season. It's kind of been battling, and it just um, just kind of wrote about how he's kind of inspired the rest of the offensive line and and kind of you know just playing through his injuries. And it's it's, it's interesting to talk to him about it and and kind of you know see how how much he's kind of going through. I guess absolutely, and it's a I, you always notice that too. I mean, you see Cole Van Lannen going in on there, and, and you know for a series at a time, and they switch off and. Uh, we'll see what happens with John coming up too, uh, coming up next year. Where he slides? Does he slide back inside? Does he stay back? You know, on the edge. We'll, we'll see what happens on the offensive line there for John. But our, my last question to you: Thanksgiving is two days away. What are you thankful for, good sir? Oh man, there's so, there's so many things to be thankful for. There, yeah, there. Um, there is. I'm thankful. For, you know, my my wife first of all. Yeah, she's my biggest supporter. That's um, awesome. 
and it's just uh, great to have her as a teammate in life, not to be too cheesy. Oh, no, it's but, all good. Uh, no, no. The rest of my family, too. You know, I'm actually going to get to go to my grandmother's 90th birthday in January. Nice. Um, get to see her go down to Kansas, so that'll be really that'll be really neat. I haven't seen her in a little while, so um, see some other family there. So that, I'm going to be really thankful for that. You know, I, I don't I don't get to see them. for They always gather for Thanksgiving, my extended family, and with, with my job, it's, it's always very hard to do that. So to be able to, to see some people in January, I'm thankful for that and uh kind of thankful this season is about to end as well <laughs> yeah no it's a long grind i don't think people realize i mean and i don't ever take things for granted that's one of the things i'm grateful for is just having the ability to, to cover uh and make somewhat of a living you know doing what we do in terms of reporting and you know people it's always interesting for me where people kind of go and they say oh you do this this is you know great and you go this for for you know and it's a hobby. I'm like, oh, it's, you know, it's, for me, it's a you know, it's part-time job. You know, so yours is a full-time job. But, you know, I don't ever take for granted, yeah, it's work. But, you know, going up and covering sports, like something you watch as a kid, uh, it's always something that's great. But it's a, uh, I think it's to me, I am grateful for that opportunity. I'm thankful for you coming on the show. Uh, I'm thankful for, you know, Brian and Amanda here at Beer Rock allowing us to do this show. Uh, and, now, you know, it's not being cheesy, too. This has been a great opportunity for us having this ability to be in front of everybody talking Wisconsin Badgers football. We'll have some more basketball coming up, too, after this week. Uh, but, all, yeah, like I said, my wife, uh, you know, my kids, they're good kids. And my wife's my rock. Uh, I'm a better half, and I, there's no doubt about that. But, yeah, just opportunities have been given us, like, it's, it's humbling. You know, to, to be, you know, where we're at and, and doing what we're doing. So uh, I know it's a very long-winded answer on my part. But, yeah, it's just very thankful this year. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what's ahead and see where Wisconsin goes now. Do they go to Outback Bowl? Do they go to Pinstripe Bowl? We'll see what happens after Saturday. I think it's – I think at this point, if they be Minnesota – it's hard to see them falling as far as, as far as the pinstripe bowl. I think they're looking at better than that if they beat if they win this game. I'm personally hoping the Outback Bowl, just because I heard the spread in the media box in the press room, yeah. room press box, it, sounds delightful. It's been a few years. I believe in 2014, it was it was pretty good. So that would not be a bad choice. Well, if my wife listens to this, just know that I may be driving or flying down to Tampa uh, if that does in fact happen. Uh, I'll try to bring you know, bring her along if we can get my. I'll talk to my in-laws about it. Anyways, <laughs> uh, thank you guys here at Beer Rock. Again, make sure you guys come out here, 2911 North Sherman Avenue here, and, and great stuff from Brian, Amanda, uh, Caribou, and uh, thank you to Jason for coming out here again, sir. Appreciate your time as always. Oh, anytime. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to play another interview with Alec Ingold here on Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Uh, we're going to have that for our what you guys will hear on the post-game or the post-live show. So you guys will hear that coming up right now. Okay. And we're here with Alec Ingold, and I know it's it's senior day already, and I remember when you first came in here, and I remember watching you as an inside linebacker in that, right. in that fall camp, and all, all of a sudden you're back to running back, and now you're fullback. Have you had a chance to – I'm sure you haven't just because class and the season, but have you t- had a chance to – have you thought about the journey of being a Badger and come to this point now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a dangerous thing right around yeah. now just with the Minnesota game. You know, if it was anything else, I probably would have by now. But uh, just knowing how important this game is has kind of kept my, my head down in the sand for one more week. But, you know, I, I know when I, when I pick my head up, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to look back at how crazy the past four years have been and all the changes that have been through. So, um, you know, you're thankful for all that. But... Yeah, it's, it's been a fun ride, and I, I can't wait to you know end it on the right note. 
you mentioned how important this game is. Uh, I know it's been 14 straight wins, but how do you, how does each team? Well, you've seen the progression of each team, you know, like uh, that you've been a part of. Just right. continue the tradition and, and keep keep. keep you know, keep the game seriously despite yeah. records. Yeah. We've seen it happen in 2016 where, you, you know, you guys were down by 10 at half. Right. How do you guys kind of keep the, 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 the creative juices flowing knowing that this is a, a competitive game and a rivalry? Um, I think it's just keeping guys uh, in tune to the fact that, you know, this is a rivalry game and um, um, you, you want to attack the game. You don't want to be protecting anything. You don't want to be protecting the axe. You don't want to be protecting home field. Um, you you want to go attack, and that's the only way to really um, you know be really successful in this game is go out and take it. Um, and I think we gotta we gotta have that mindset every single every single snap right off the jump. You know, have to be on the uh, be on attack mode, and um, I think that's what's defined the, the more successful games than the less successful ones. When you have the fact that you have you know, I guess with this team, what do you see on film from Minnesota? When it comes to, I mean, I know Blake Cashman's the big name there. Yep. One's the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, or Defensive Player of the Week, I should say. What stands out from that defense? Uh, they're really athletic. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of the same guys that we've been seeing for the past few years. We've kind of grown up with them, so um, you know what you're going to get with that group, and it's it's going to be tough. And they're playing really hard. Um, you know, in years past, I feel like sometimes they they might not have been you know, as motivated, but not right now. They're playing hard ball, and you can tell that everyone on the field is running to the ball, chasing the ball. They're excited when it's fourth down. They all have their, their celebration. So, I mean, you know, they're, they're really juiced up and ready to play, and they're playing a lot better ball right now than they have been. So, um, you know, it's two teams that are kind of going in the right direction and getting ready for, for a big one. Well, when you look at, uh, just going real quick back to the Purdue game, what, in your opinion, sparked the comeback like it did? You guys are down 14 points in fourth. What, what sparked it, the offense? That, you know, obviously you had a great rushing attack, but it, what sparked it for you? I, it's, it's hard to say because, you know, it's, it's been like a long time coming. I feel like ever since the season started, we haven't had um, drives put together like that or played a half of football like that. And we still haven't played a full game like that. So I think um, it was just like a culmination of everyone just getting going. Um, finally, just everyone hitting their stride at the right time. So hopefully, you know, we carry that going into this game. It would be big. What type of? I'm sure you get the question a lot, but how would how would you describe Jonathan Taylor? Um, <laughs> stud. I don't know. <laughs> it, one word's kind of tough because I mean he's he's so much. And he means so much to this team and this organization. He's such a good guy. So um, you you can't really say anything negative about the dude. He's he does everything the right way. I was uh, when I, I guess just. Where have you seen him improve this year? Uh, you know, I, you know, I think maybe on film I've seen the patience a little bit more, and he, he's taken what the blocks are giving him maybe a little bit more. But uh, from your perspective, obviously being a player and playing alongside him, how has he improved from last year? I think football, like playing-wise, he's been kind of the same JT. But personality-wise, I think he's he's getting more mature. He's understanding uh, what he means to this team and the program, and um, you know how great he can really be. And I think he's accepting it. A, accepting that role really well. Um, he understands the responsibility. It's been put on his shoulders, and he, he loves it, and he's happy, and he's having fun with it. So I think that's kind of the most most change I've seen in him. Uh, last question for the for, for me, or in terms of, we'll play this on our podcast, but yep. uh, what are you thankful for? What am I thankful for? Um, I'm thankful for my health. Uh, I've played a healthy season so far, knock on wood. Um, it's, been, it's been big, but just thankful for you know the opportunities that this place has given me 
uh, family, state of Wisconsin. It's, it's been a, it's been a fun ride. And that was Alec and Gold once again, folks. We're gonna wrap up this edition of the show. It's, oh gosh, this is the first time we've really gone. Well, we went over an hour with Owen back last week, but thanks again to. Alec Ingold, obviously we talked to him during player availability. You talked to Jason Galloway, Wisconsin State Journal, over at Beer Rock. And then, of course, Ben Strickland, former team captain, former Wisconsin assistant Florida Atlantic assistant coach, and now coaching over at Edgewood. Big thanks to everyone that came on the show this week. Uh, Big thanks earlier this week to Owen Reese and Joel Nellis for coming on as well. Uh, hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. Be safe, uh, not just on Thanksgiving, but Black Friday, the weekend ahead. Uh, dress warmly for Wisconsin, Minnesota. And really, to uh, just letting you know, too, there is, not to promote too much of the book, but I'll have a book signing at Hilldale Mall in Madison at the University Bookstore there from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time on Friday. So come on out there. Say hi. Talk Badgers. Don't have to, you know, I mean, Buy a book. It's a great stocking stuffer. I'm never going to tell you not to, but just even to stop by, say hi. Uh, And uh, hopefully you guys are able to get past the Black Friday craziness. But find us on Twitter at B5Q. For me, at JakeCocoB5Q. For Jason Galloway, at uh, Jason underscore Galloway. And look at us on Instagram, Matt Fleming, Dan Sanger, with some amazing photos lately. And then on top of that, uh for this podcast, right? Give us more feedback. We we're trying to incorporate more from what we're seeing on iTunes, uh, subscribe or listen to on iTunes, on Google play on the TuneIn app. And really too, when you hit that subscribe button, you know what that means? It means you get it right when it is uploaded to those respective mediums. So our media, I should say. So on that note, I'm gonna let you guys go. Have a great week. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for everybody here. As you heard me earlier, uh, at, from uh, beer rock last night, Guys, take care, safe travels, enjoy the family time and the friend time. We'll talk to you guys next week after the axe drops here on Bucky's fifth podcast. Thank you.